You know, it takes a sincere heart of service to show up on a holiday weekend with so many demanding places, so many things that are demanding our attention, and to dedicate your time. I want to just give heartfelt thanks as your pastor. Thank you for serving. Thank you for giving. Thank you for being a part of this season. What a celebration it is to honor the birth of our Savior together. Before I jump into reading the historical account, I would just remind you that in the seat backs in front of you, there is a worship guide that tells you a little bit more about our church. And there's a connection card there that's perforated. You can tear it out and it does what it says. It connects you to the church. And so if you'd like to have somebody to pray for you or to care for you or if you have a question or if you just want to let us know that you're here, that's all available for you. And I'll tell you a little bit more about it later in the service as well. We would love to care for you and to pastor you in this season of life because I believe that as we've discovered life is challenging and we all need someone to come alongside and say hey I'm for you and when life gets really hard and maybe you find yourself in the ditch or you find yourself hurting that you'd have someone come look for you and care for you that's what the church has always been about and that's why we're here today my family tradition is as unique since I was a very young child we would watch each of my grandmother's grandchildren get their turn as they learn to read, to actually read the Christmas story. And can I tell you, when you're really young and they put you in the chair and they give you the big Bible and it's quite a bit of pressure to stand in front of all of your siblings, but you know that all of your older siblings and cousins had to do it before you. And as I'm reflecting in this season, I thought I'd begin today's message by doing something that's always been our tradition. And maybe it's one that you would adopt in your family to just stop, whether it's before the meal or after the meal, and we gather around and we remind ourselves of who Jesus is and why we are Christians. We begin in Matthew chapter 1. It says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she will bring forth a son, and you will call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. And that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. And they were terrified. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is the Christ, the Lord, and this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. Would you say the next two words, every voice in the room? And suddenly, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace goodwill toward men. Would you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, as we take a few moments
to celebrate and remember the birth of our Savior. We pray, God, that you would fill our hearts with hope, that our lives would sense your presence and your encouragement today. God, we thank you for it now. In Jesus' name we pray. We all said amen together. Amen and amen. For centuries, the Jewish shepherds had been hearing about the birth of a Savior, the Messiah, the Christ. And they would have been taught from an early age, much like we're doing with our children today in service. They would have been taught about the 300 plus prophecies foretelling Jesus' future. Can you believe that? Can you imagine with me what it must have been like to know these prophecies, to hear about these prophecies, and suddenly it's happening in front of you? Can you imagine what it'd be like, like we have talked about the return of Jesus, that one day everything you've been taught is happening right there? And then if that wasn't enough, we discover that throughout the life of Jesus, that he not only fills one of them or five of them or ten of them or a, a hundred of those prophecies, which would be mathematically impossible for anyone to do unless they were the Son of God and the Savior of the world. Jesus, in his life, fulfills over 300 historical prophecies about how he would be born and what he would do with his life. Historians and theologians and myself alike have come to faith in Jesus simply by discovering the accuracy of these life-fulfilling prophecies. But knowing something and waiting can be tough. I like when things happen suddenly. Amen, everybody? When I was a kid growing up, I couldn't wait for Christmas to get here. It just couldn't come soon enough. December 1, in my mind, was Christmas Day. I was like, why isn't the tree up? Why aren't there presents? Why aren't they prepared? I was that kid that was always counting the gifts because I was one of six children. And so I wanted to make sure that if my brother had his name written twice on two gifts, that my name was written twice on two gifts. Come on, kids, you know what I'm talking about. You're, you're, there's an accounting going on. And my parents were always quick to say we, we equally value, but there may not be equal number. And we're, we have found that to not be wise. Right, Amber? We, uh, we make sure that no matter what the value, that there's equal boxes to unwrap, even if one of them has a card in it. There's something about this season that raises the expectations, and I think it's exciting. And for me, I remember one season, one Christmas that I was, I was doing what I call the, you know, the, I was checking the boxes. I was making sure because I had this shirt that I really wanted for Christmas. My parents were really good about asking us for a list and then saying, make sure that the thing you really want's at the top of the list. Well, that year I had decided that I wanted a, uh, you know, this Levi's, uh, you know, shirt. It was kind of an expensive button down. And I thought if I got that shirt, the ladies would really like me. <laughs> and so as I was checking to find the boxes, kind of shaking things, I, I, I didn't, I, I took a misstep and I leaned and I thought the tree would hold me up. What happened that year is I found at 11 p.m. when I should have been in bed that the Christmas tree was laying on top of me and I was screaming for help. Kids, can I tell you, don't try to climb the Christmas tree. 
But what I discovered is that when we opened those gifts the next morning, it was like, it was a beautiful moment of unwrapping. And, and suddenly I had the shirt that I longed for and I put it on and unbeknownst to me that the sizing was wrong and I had a medium instead of a large, y'all. I had what I wanted suddenly and then suddenly it wasn't what I wanted. Life is a lot like that. And when you read the scriptures, you find that there are quite a few moments where God does things suddenly. Some of my favorite are when we find the woman who had struggled with an issue of blood. The Bible tells us for over 14 years, she had sought out every doctor and every person to try and help her. But she pushed through the crowd because she had heard about this man named Jesus who would heal the sick. And as she pushed through the crowd, the Bible says that he touched the hem. She touched the hem of his garment and suddenly she was healed. There's another moment where the disciples were standing with Jesus and they were, I like to imagine they were walking through the garden and it says, and a light shone from heaven and suddenly a voice from heaven said, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. God the Father was making sure the disciples knew who Jesus was. Those are beautiful. I like those. But there are some, some other moments where, where some things happen suddenly that probably weren't what God really wanted. When they came to arrest Jesus, which was one of the prophecies fulfilled, the Bible tells us that Peter took the sword out and he chopped one of the ears off of a guard that was coming to arrest Jesus. Can you imagine that happening in front of you? And then Jesus says, whoa, 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 picks up the ear and puts it back on. I don't know about you, that would kind of freak me out if that suddenly happened in front of me. And John, the apostle, I think he was freaked out too because he tried to run away. And the Bible tells us that one of the guards grabbed his linen ephod, which is a, a, a very, you know, like, it's the, the very like kind way of saying he grabbed his undergarments and John ran away naked. It's the first historical account of streaking in the world. <laughs> Can I say it to you this way? When you read your Bible, stuff is going down suddenly. It's happening even when you least expect it. To people who don't know, everything God does appears to be suddenly. And even when you do know, like the shepherds, suddenly can kind of mess with you. It messes with our minds because it seems like nothing's happening and then suddenly everything happens. I believe that God's timing isn't our timing, and maybe that's the point, until suddenly God's timing meets our timing. I believe that what we need to do in this season is we have to prepare ourselves for what God wants to do in our lives, but waiting on God or just waiting for something good to happen often leaves us feeling sick. As the famous proverb says, Proverbs 13 and 12 would you read it with me? It'll be on the screen. It says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. When you feel like what you've been hoping for isn't even under the tree or what you've been dreaming for in your life isn't going to happen, there's a hopelessness that fills our lives. And because of that, there are lots of people who are living heart sick today. I'd like to say it this way, that there's a lot of heart-sick people in our world. 
I think it's because of three reasons, and I won't say this is all of them, but I think these three lead us in the right direction. The first reason we have so many people who are living a heart-sick life is that just, it's just because of disappointment. I thought this was going to go this way. I thought my marriage was going to look like this. I thought my kids on Christmas morning were going to bow down and say, thank you, Father, for your benevolent gifts and all your kindness. I thought that they would clean their room the, the day before Christmas, at least. Those are funny disappointments, but some of us have greater disappointments of how the marriage fell apart or how the kids went on somewhere else or how the job didn't happen or how sickness showed up or how someone met the Lord earlier than we thought. We live this season carrying more disappointment than we should. For heaven's sakes, I think Joseph was likely hoping to marry someone who was not with child already. Disappointment leaves us heart sick. The second that we find that is so prevalent in our world is just, can I just say it to you like this? It's just drama. There's so much drama in the world today. Anybody here have one sibling that's like the dramatic sibling? Come on, show me your hands real quick. You've got the dramatic sibling. If you did not raise your hand, you could be the one, okay? Like you, you could be. I've got an older sister who still claims in the world that she's the younger sister. And by the way, just recently became a grandmother, Danielle. I'm not a grandparent yet. Our whole life, if something would happen, I would, I would go through something. I'd be like, I'd be like, oh, I'd be like, oh, that hurt. And she would be on the ground going, oh, oh, like, like the whole world had come apart. I think there's some real drama such as wars and pandemics. There's real pain, but we've also become a culture that's so sensitive that we dramatize everything. We got people crying wolf and dramatizing things and it's got it's left us kind of desensitized we're kind of withdrawing from things but if i would say disappointment's real and drama is real but the biggest reason we're heartsick is because of the distance we have in our lives from god we're living in a culture where in seasons like this grandma says or mom says we've got to we got to make it to church we've got to celebrate jesus and The problem is the next time that we do that is further and further and further away and we have increased our distance. Throughout the entire Bible, anyone who is distant from God never had a great existence. And what God is calling us to maybe this Christmas and maybe my reminder to you today is that yes, there's disappointment, yes, there's drama, but if you leave distance in your life from God, if you stay far from Him, you don't have the answer for the disappointment and the drama. And what you really need is to close the gap and to draw near to God. See, our hope may have been deferred, but our dreams haven't been denied. The dream that God has placed in your heart hasn't been taken away. He's looking for us in the distance between the disappointment and the dream coming true. He's looking for us to lean in and find hope in God. The same proverb in another translation reads this way. It says, unrelenting disappointment leaves you heart sick. Would you read it with me? Come on, every voice. But... A sudden good break can turn life around. 
No matter how things are going for you right now, I believe God wants to turn it all around. Like opening a present on Christmas morning, you feel unsure, but who knows, God may, may do it all suddenly. It's in the waiting that so many of us lose our faith. The famous missionary Elizabeth Elliot was actually married to the famous missionary Jim Elliot. And Jim Elliot was known because he was killed trying to reach a native tribe in Ecuador. And after his death, his wife picked up the baton and carried on his ministry. Can you imagine that? The very thing that caused her to lose her husband inspired her to reach out into the world. Instead of staying far from God, she drew near to God and realized that what her husband was doing is what God had called us all to do. Listen to Elizabeth Elliot's words. Speaking of God, she said, He makes us wait. He keeps us on purpose in the dark. He makes us walk when we want to run, sit when we want to walk. For he has things to do in our souls that we are not interested in. It's in the distance between the disappointment and the dream coming true that God does his best work. It's in that longing that you discover that God is the only answer for the heart size the, 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 the heart size hole in your life. It's there that you discover that God is the only one who can fill that area. See, I believe that God is doing something in your heart even now. So what should we do while we're waiting? What, how should we prepare for the moment when God shows up suddenly? Can I give you a couple of things real fast and we'll pray together and sing and We'll go off to all the family gatherings and probably eat way too much. Write it down with me. Here's the first thing. If you're in this season of waiting, the first thing you need to do is to discover God's story. It's really what we're doing today for Christmas. We're reading the most pivotal point in history when God sent his son Jesus into the world. We have to discover that, that Jesus is the central part of the story. I like to say it this way, that God's story is a grand story, and history is his story. And God's story, what you find, is in the prologue. It simply describes it this way, that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But you know, it wasn't all, it wasn't all rainbows and sunshine, because anybody remember Adam and Eve? Come on, wave something. Anybody remember Adam and Eve? Who kind of They made a poor decision in the middle of this beautiful place, and they messed it all up for us. Before you get too judgmental, can I just say, if you or I were there, we probably would have messed it up too. Can we be honest today? In the prologue, in the beginning, God began something beautiful, and we made some poor choices but what you discover in the body of the story, in the body of his story, is Jesus coming to redeem all of mankind. And right now, you know what we're living? We're, we're, living, we're living out God's redemption story. This is the moment where you hear someone like me saying, God loves you, God cares for you, and in the beginning, he had a plan for you. When you discover God's story, you begin to realize that he was thinking about you all along. 
The epilogue of God's story is beautiful as well because in the end, God restores all things. If you've never read the entirety of the Bible, it's a great read when you get to the end to discover that no matter how this life has gone, God is still God in the end. Amen, everybody? That he's still in charge. He's still taking care of things. I want you to discover God's story. Acts chapter 17 describes it this way. It says, from one man, he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. Would you read it with me? As some of our own poets have said, We are his offspring. What you'll discover in God's story is that you're his son, you're his daughter, that we are his offspring. The second thing you need to do is you need to see yourself in the story. You have to discover that that God thought about you at the beginning of time. He knew that you would be here, that God is that big. If he can count the the numbers of hair on your head or the how few hair you have on your head, God, God knew where you would be in this journey, and he saw fit to have you here today. He's already written you into his story. As Jeremiah 1 says, he formed you in your mother's womb. As you read the story of the Bible, you see that a man named Saul was disappointed and he was creating drama and he was definitely distant from God because he was persecuting the early church. And what Paul needed was to see himself in God's story. In Acts chapter 9, it says that as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, come on, those two words, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven, then he fell to the ground, and he heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Even when you're the furthest from God, what you will discover is God knows right where you are and he wants you to see yourself in the story and see that it is God's story. There's another man who was an invalid for 38 years. Talk about an incredibly hard life. For 38 years, he had heard the story that at a certain pool, an angel would come and stir the water. And if you were at the pool, when the angel would stir the water, whoever got in first would be healed. And so this man, after 38 years, would find himself at the pool. John chapter 5 says, For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred the water. Then whoever stepped in first, after the stirring of the water, was made well of whatever disease he had. What I like to think is this man was hurting for so long that he discovered that God's a healer. And he said, I've got to find myself near where God is going to heal. See, they discovered God's story and they waited at the pool. Which leads us to my last point. Today, if you've discovered God's story and you're seeing yourself now as a child of God in the story, you've got... But one thing to do with your life, number three, is that is to put your faith in God. We've all been given a measure of faith. Today I would just simply ask, where have you put your faith? 
Have you put your faith in everything in this world as an accident? That's kind of a, a terrible place to be. Have you put your faith in your own cognitive ability? That's a challenging place to be. How about simply putting your faith in God? Discover his story. See yourself in the story and begin to place your faith in him. Like the shepherds and the wise men and the disciples who followed Jesus, they discovered that their faith was really important. And after Jesus was crucified, was buried, and resurrected, the disciples got really excited because, again, Jesus fulfilled over 300 prophecies. They began to preach everywhere they went, and I think they were pretty excited, pretty exuberant. And the Bible says that they were arrested because of their faith. But I need you to look at the the response of Paul and Silas. Acts chapter 16 says, But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Time out, time out. You realize that they had a captive audience, right? No matter what, they had them there. The prisoners were listening to them. And there's that word again. And suddenly... There was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately, much like suddenly, all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. Today, if you'll discover God's story, you begin to see yourself right in the middle of that story to say, all I got to do is put my faith in God. While I'm dealing with the disappointment and the drama of life, I'll put my faith in God. While I'm dealing with a little bit more disappointment and drama, while I'm waiting for God to answer, I'm going to put my faith in God. Here's what I know. The birth of Jesus is a reminder of God's story. It's a grand story about God and mankind coming together. It's a story about God turning this heart sick life around and who knows today could be when it all happens suddenly he hasn't denied the dream he's placed in your heart he just wants you to place your faith in him as we close today would you bow with me in prayer come on young ones parents grandparents just a moment of reflection and prayer Today, if you're here and the disappointment and drama of life has left you distant from God, the Bible says you're one prayer away from closing that gap. And when you get close to God, you find hope again. When you get close to God, you trust that even though it hasn't worked out yet, it's going to work out in the future. Today, if you're distant from God, I won't embarrass you. I won't ask you to stand. I will not ask you to come to the front. But if that's you and you want to get near him, if you want him to be your Lord and Savior, would you simply whisper this prayer? Say these words with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I'm giving you my life. And I'm asking you to be my Lord and my Savior. God, would you forgive me for my sin? Would you forgive me for trying to live this life my own way? 
And God, would you give me the power to follow you all the days of my life? Just a moment longer. Stay focused on prayer. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would fill our hearts with hope and life. I pray, God, that we would know that your presence is here and real. God, that you're giving us all that we need even now. God, we thank you for it. We praise you for this day today. In Jesus' mighty name, the church said amen together.